a podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Here we are, podcast nine from the rookery end. We made it, podcast nine already, fantastic. Slightly different from the rookery end podcast because we're going to be watching this from the halfway line. Uh, we've been lucky enough, thanks to Jason, cheers, uh, for blagging us some seats in the uh, hospitality. So we're going to have a good feed before we uh, watch the game. Yeah, it's a good view from up here. Uh, up in the gods and with the gods, I think you'd say. <laughs> well, yes. Well, that's pushing it a little bit. <laughs> okay, the Watford FC gods. I've seen Luther good. Blissett somewhere, so not far away from the gods. I had a chat with Luther. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, I couldn't help it. I'm sort of I'm one of these annoying blokes who, if they see someone they recognise, they just say, oh, hi. <laughs> so Luther looked at me like the pillock I am. But uh, it was nice to say hello. I'm John. With me is Mike. Hello, John. <laughs> and Jason. Hello, Mike and John. Uh, we are three lifelong Watford fans, uh, season ticket holders in yeah. the rookery end. And uh, this, is, this is our little take on what, it is, what life is like as a Watford fan. Coming up on the podcast, we have got our chat with Don Carey, yeah. who puts to rest the big question of who is the most Scottish person in the Watford squad. Malky, Stephen McGinn or Don Carey? We also uh, got a song from Will Buckley. Yeah, good stuff. Well deserved. He's done well. He's done well, Will Buckley. We'll have a a chat about uh, some odds and sods that have been going on, or maybe not going on the last month. Some lone players, some young players coming through, and maybe not quite the same form that we've we've had. Yeah, we've we've been forced to reflect on on what hasn't been a great uh, a great Hmm. period, unfortunately. But um, nonetheless, there's always something exciting to talk about with Watford. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. So here we are, Monday. Monday. And, uh, Monday, Monday. <laughs> we are here, uh, and we're not in our normal pace. Listen, there is no sound of chinking glasses. Or happy chatter of punters, pub punters. Uh, we are in a uh, soundproof room at BBC Three Counties. Indeed. Well known to many Watford fans. Yes. It, it is in Luton, unfortunately, but... So last, last month's podcast was a get un, behind enemy lines. This is <laughs> deep in enemy territory. We're, this is SAS of football yeah. fans. Keep it down. We've been here, uh, just been on the Monday night sports show between 6 and 7 o'clock with, uh, with Luke yeah. and Roberto. Uh, they chat about the weekend stuff and we did a bit of a gabber to them. But now it's time to have a bit of a gabber about Watford in the last month. Um, Jace, some... Um, quite the same stats that we had uh, last podcast since the last podcast we've played six one zero drawn three and lost three mm. uh, five goals four nine against not looking good is it boys well it's not it's definitely a, a different sort of month um, I'm actually waiting for this not for the I want Watford to lose but I just want to see how the, how Mike reacts are you ready Jace I'm ready Mike well I'm not going to lie to you fellas I was sat at that Preston game and after half an hour, I wanted to go home. It was dismal. It's the worst. It's the worst football I've seen in a long time. Worse than Scunthorpe this year. Once worse than Scunthorpe. I was talking to Jason earlier, and I put that up there in the top five worst performances I've ever seen. Not just from Watford, from anyone. That includes watching my brother play for Cubs, <laughs> uh, watching my sister play netball, um, John watching you play anything. It was just. It was just absolutely awful. And. And it uh, probably exacerbated because we come off the back of, of some of some poor performances, um, or not poor poor performances, poor results. Let's say. But you say that that was the sixth game since a win. But I've got to say, even if we'd won the last ten and played like that, I'd still have been very disappointed. That first half was, it was, it was worrying. It was upsetting. And it was it was just awful, really so, bad. You, you watched the whole game then? Just well, I missed the last five minutes of the first half. 
I wasn't driving, my brother was driving. I have to be honest, if I was driving, I'd have gone home. <laughs> my brother, God bless him, he wouldn't leave, so I went down and watched the uh, Tottenham game for five minutes as Preston went close time and time again. They could have made it 3 or 4-0 before half-time. Let's not, let's not shy away from that. that yeah, they had two great chance, very, very right good the chances end, right there. Um, and, and we'd have serious doubts um, if, if we'd have lost that game. Unfair to put everything on, on one game, but... I don't think we can let this, this podcast go without saying what a, what a dire 45 minutes that was. I did stay to the end, and, of course, I'm glad I did. Good. Jace, what are you... You know, there, like I say, there's, there's, there's not been a, a win. Um, we've had the last two games have been draw, so, you know, that, you can only call that an improvement, but can you put your finger on it? I don't, I, for me, we're not looking very balanced. We all know, and, and everyone's talked about us not having a left-back losing, um, losing Taylor... Plus, we haven't really got a left-sided midfielder. We've got Townsend, but he's not played. Mm. Uh, he's come on a sub a couple of times. I think started one or two games. So it, I guess it gets a bit predictable. But then you look at... Uh, we've had injuries as well with Carrie Eunustis mm. and, and Doily. They've come back, and, or Doily's come back taking a knock. Eustace has come back and just not looked fit at all. He's, he's struggled the last couple of games. Right. Got subbed in the Preston game. Well, Malky said, you know, that starting eleven. His what was his, in his mind is starting eleven back in December, early January... For a good part of this last month, we've had four, if not five, of that, that 11 not in that team. And, yeah, you change things about as much as you have. You even bring in those, those loanees that we've had from different clubs, different mentalities. It's not like you're just bringing in a, you know, another squad member who's been with those players for the last four or five months since pre-season training. There were a lot of changes to that team. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you look at it and you go, it's the, it is the little things. It's those little balls through. It's those little runs. Yeah. It's all those things that just aren't quite right that are causing they just look poor and they make you go ah when you see them on the pitch yeah the other thing you've got the word there pitch <laughs> uh, yes. I don't I don't usually sort of go go for people when they say oh the pitch is is a mess it's causing us problems like, well no both teams have got to play on it yeah. but then you look at where our better performances have been in this run they've yeah. been at Forest um at Cardiff just before on the yeah, last podcast. At Reading as well. Uh, and at Reading, they've been half-decent performances. The Port ones have been home to Preston, home to Burnley, home to Brighton, and, and home to Palace wasn't much better either. So well, it's, it's, it's the, all the home games where I we've think, been struggling. I, think, I think, you could, think there's two things, as far as I'm concerned. One is a case if you don't know what you've got till it's gone, because I think Jordan Mutch is a huge, huge miss for this team. Um, whether many people were smitten with him when he started his loan spell, I'm not sure. But I think he's a huge miss playing alongside Eustace. He he just allowed the rest of the team to play with a lot of freedom. So it remains to be seen whether we might be able to get much back. But I think the team we're seeing now and the results we're seeing now are is the team and the results that we feared we'd be seeing all season. If you, <laughs> if you October, listen to some yeah. of the early early podcasts, this was our fear. We had a thin squad with inexperienced players. And looking at the list of games we've lot we've lost and drawn, the Burnley game I think is is a real good example of how our fortunes have turned round. We'd have probably won that game two months ago. Mm. We had more than Drinkwater had a chance within thirty seconds yeah. to put us one nil up. That goes in the back of the net, and I can guarantee you, we we would have probably won that game. But do you not think that game was lost on that tackle of Buckley by Fox? Yeah, I do. almost I- like that. It was like. It was because of that, it threw off, especially Buckley. Remember what Buckley oh, went down the wing at one point? Yeah. And it's almost like he said, bring it on. 
He was like, what? Yeah, he was always like looking for, to take the defender on rather than actually it. going yeah, for he goal. He was thinking too hard about drawing the foul again. We've, we've yeah. um, and he and he he should have just done what he did before and sort of take him on and 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 if he's good enough to beat him, then he might get fouled anyway. Yeah, I mean, th- where he's played it too was, far, taken a bad touch too yeah. far in front of him, and then he's lost his head a bit. He's in sort of a minute yeah. later, chased across to close him down and just give him a little clip, and they've all sort of lost their heads. And and, and that's what happens when you got young guys. In well, the Fox team. got sent off in the sixtieth minute. Eagles. Oh, he well, he didn't. But, that was well, sorry, got, sorry, should have got sent off. Got booked and did the tackle. Eagles scored in six six minutes later, which you think, yeah, that's exactly the period of time yeah. when the heads aren't in all mm. of a sudden. And then also when the goal goes in, it keeps that that continual bad mentality continues, and they get the goal in the seventy fifth minute. I think again, I always seem to say there's two things, but there's, there's two things. Um, we've, <laughs> Come on, with a third, Mike. Come on, let's have a third. Us, we've seen enough. Uh, oh, that elusive hat trick of good points. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe by the end of the season, I'll come up with three in a row. Doubtful. We've seen enough football to know that when it, when they get when there's a bit of argy bargy in a game, when there's a, a flare up, the team that comes out of that with their head intact always almost always goes on to win. We didn't do that and, and went on to lose. Um, oh, do you know what? There's two points, and I've even forgotten my second point. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've remembered. I've remembered. <laughs> Will Buckley, and we were, we were sort of lightly criticising him there for his mm. reaction to the tackle, but he's been hunted. Um, goodwill Buckley, Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. He's, been, good, he's taken a real hammering ever since that Cardiff game where he, he had one of his. He played well, he saw a lot of the ball and, and therefore got a lot of attention from, um, from Cardiff's. Uh, well, Cardiff's players. And it's been the same in, in a lot of our games. And since that Burnley game, of course, he's been on the bench. So you can kind of, as a, as a flair player, if you're trying to get the ball down and play and you're constantly getting hammered. And then when you take one like that, that challenge from Fox. You can you can really understand how how he did it. Not condoning it, but he has had some it, some poor treatment over the last. The thing month is, though, or so. it's going to happen if you're, yeah, if you're oh, a good absolutely. player. And I, I I've played in five side teams with a young lad who's full of ability. Yeah. And in the league we were in, people quickly got to know who he was and yeah. just kicked him. All the elbows just kicked him, yeah. and he got fed up. He was and he just got stropped. Yeah. And and didn't do anything for us again. And it's the same with Buckley. He's got to get his head on it. He just, he got to appreciate he has got a talent. Yeah. He is going to get tired, he's going to get kicked, he's going to have to pick himself up, dust himself down and get on with it. Well, I think you know, he got kicked a little bit too much, and I think his ankles aren't going to take it. He's not the referee to protect him, but he's well, got fact, to remember there's going to be times yeah. where the he's been out for the last two games. And he's not it's, playing against um, Bristol. So that's three games. But, Jace, you're absolutely right, he has got a response. He did, I was down in the, in the lower house for that game, I took, took my daughter, and you could see him, he did lose his head. And as a Watford player and a professional, he does have a responsibility because he has been one of he's been one of our shining lights, and mm. if we're going to come out of this slump, which we will, it's going to be people like Buckley who'll do it. So he needs to needs to keep his eyes on the um, on the on the straight and narrow. I'm sure Malky won't let him get away with anything because let's remember earlier on in the season he was he was pulling him off. Yeah, with an hour gone. <laughs> Jason. <laughs> <laughs>
it. Shame, I believe we need each. Will Buckley! You need some speed and some silky skills. Who you gonna pick? Will Buckley! The fellas beware, they beat you day and night. Who you gonna pick? He ain't afraid of back fours. He ain't afraid of back fours. Defenders see him as they turn their heads. Who you gonna cheer? Will Buckley! Gives Nigga nightmares on his backside. Who you gonna cheer? Buckley. Keep up with the podcast blog on fromtherookeryend.com. Oh, you full? <laughs> I am. I'm full. stuffed to bursting. I could probably squeeze in another glass of Van Rouge. <laughs> but I enjoyed my dinner. One of the good things about being up here is that there's some of the great and the good of Watford around. Mm. And Jason, being the uh, font of all. Watford knowledge, past and present, spotted an ex-chairman. And not only an ex-chairman, but a professor as well. <laughs> yeah, the prof. The prof. Uh, what's it say? He's currently a non-executive director. He is. Where was he chairman? 90... No. It was the post-Petchy year, yeah. wasn't it? So he it would have been... the breach immediately uh, after that. 95, 96, around that time. Yeah, sounds about so right. Maybe just yeah. before that. But we, we uh, grabbed a word with him, didn't we? He was, uh, he was a nice guy. Professor Stuart Timperley. From the rookery end. Now, you've been here for a little while now. <laughs> a little while. That's very kind of you, to put it like that. Yeah. In various guises. Yeah, I know, yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, not as a player. <laughs> Where would you fancy yourself on the Oh, pitch? I was, uh, yes. Well, I used to play, but I just used to be a, an inside forward or a midfield player, okay. wide midfield player. Yeah. All right. Long time ago. So we get five-a-side team going. Can we give you a call? You, uh, you could give me a call. <laughs> you give me a call, actually. So you've, you've proved yourself as a midfielder. Oh, you absolutely. Also, yeah. You've also proved yourself as a chairman as well of course uh, well, I w- well I was the chairman whether I proved myself as a chairman but I was the chairman for I don't know about four and a half years indeed and, and how would you say times have, how things have changed here at Watford since that time well, yeah, I mean, it's been uh, a roller coaster. I mean, when I was chairman, it's not something I particularly wanted to do. Football for me is an interest. It's a, it's a hobby. You know, it's not something I do for money or like to invest. If I had any money, I'm not sure I would actually invest. But, um, you know, but it, it was an interest. And this club I got to know and, and like a great deal. And it, circumstances just emerged when... There was a, you know, you remember perhaps the issue, and uh, the fans were very unhappy, yeah. and and so on, and um, and the rest of the board asked me if I would do it, and you know I didn't really want to, but I did do. It. Since then, you know, it was it was fairly a difficult time actually, because ultimately the owner wanted to go and uh, stopped funding the club, so it was a really difficult time to bring in new investment. But so we managed to do that. We did get Graham back into the club, which was really important. And um, you know, so working with him for the last year I was here before we you know, refinanced it was um, was important. And since then, it's been pretty volatile. You know, certainly some success. And they were terribly, terribly fortunate in having Graham Taylor in the club at that time. 
and being able to feel ready to take the club on again because he, he needed to be re-motivated, I think. He needed a year away from the, the pitch and the team and uh, he had it here and then he he was fresh to go in and, you know, history's history. So he's done, he's done that again in the Premiership. And since then, you know, you've had ups and downs, you know, and when you make changes, you know, new manager, etc., you always have an element of risk in it. There's an opportunity, there's a risk, you start optimistically, and you hope it's going to work, you know, but football was ever, ever thus. So is it, is it coincidence, Stuart, that you find yourself back at, back at the club with Graham again, at what feels like, as fans, another pivotal time for the club? Well, it is a pivotal time, actually, and uh, we were asked to come back as independent directors, Graham and myself, and um, uh, I think we've, we you know, feel the same about it. Uh, you know, the question is, could we help? The club was in a very difficult position. The debt was uh, substantial. Um, let's say the shareholding uh, structure was such that uh, it wasn't comfortable. You had uneasy partners, and um, it really wasn't going anywhere. And um, and we were asked if we come back and be genuinely independent and just really look after the interests of the club, which is what we try to do. Uh, and it has been difficult. Um, there's no question. I don't go over it again. But you know the you know the background to it. It's been extremely volatile. But I think uh, I think now it's stable as a as an organization internally I think people are are happy but you know we do need investment and uh, we're in the process as you know of trying to um, engineer that yeah. uh, and it's taking uh, quite a long time and uh, and these things are sent to try us but we just have to keep our eyes focused on it and try to make sure it works actually I think one of the one of the things that Watford fans are happy with at the moment Stuart, is that people are involved like yourself like Graham Julian's proved himself yeah. as being, uh, being very, a great good. man. Yeah, and Watford fans feel that the club's in safe hands again. Is there any sort of guarantee that if this takeover does happen, a sort of that core will remain? Well, there's no guarantees in football, you know. I mean, no guarantees at all. You can never say never. But the intention, I think, is, uh, as far as we understand it, that um, the board, uh, if they wish to do so, would remain. Right. Uh, in what form or what shape, you know, you really can't say. But I think uh, all the discussions we've had would tend to indicate that the people concerned understand uh, the direction of travel we wish to move in. You know, they understand it, the Watford way. They? And uh, I believe that they understand. Well, they they've spent time with Julian, Graham, myself, particularly, and I suppose we do represent or try to represent what we think um, that, that way is. You know, what sort of club is it? You know, what are the values of the club? And, and also what needs to be done here to, to build the club, both in physical infrastructure, but also in terms of, you know, sensible investment in the team. Um, and, and actually just reflecting the sort of club, not trying to do stupid things, uh, but equally being ambitious, trying to get that balance right. Uh, and, you know, we would hope that we would be there to influence that. Email the boys. Podcast at fromtherookeryend.com We are now in our comfy, very comfy seats, lads. Agreed? Absolutely. Oh, they're lovely. The leather's a bit cold, but no, it's nice. Uh, so we're here in the, uh, in the 
in the, the posh seats in the, seats in the house. House, it's fair to say. Best seats in the house. Absolutely. Mike is right on the halfway line, I think, there. And I'm, to, to my left is the vacant seat of Sir Graham Taylor, <laughs> which I sort of lightly caressed on my way through to taking this seat. But fantastic seats. Uh, Watford already 1-0 up after 20, uh, 21 minutes. Uh, and it's, it's a good feeling. Are these our lucky seats, Mike? I think they must be. I think they must be. We'll be uh, I'll be certainly making uh, a petition to the chairman afterwards. If we win this game, how could they possibly move us? <laughs> we'll put a plaque on the back of mine, just in case. The, the other thing, of course, is I'm not wearing a coat, so that could be the lucky thing. <laughs> I'm not allowed to wear a coat now. For the well, don't worry, Jace. My, my, it's a well-known fact that heat escapes through the top of the head anyway. So. <laughs> but here we are. We are... You heard us chat already about the month so far, but we've uh, had a lot of change at Watford and some loanees have come in. So let's, let's, let's revert back to yesterday where we had a bit of a chat about said loanees. From the rookery end. Over the last couple of years, of course, we've been reliant on loanees. We've had some, some good, some indifferent. Mm-hmm. Um, Emily, good. Lansbury, good. Good. Kafka, medium. Yeah, and of course we had Callum Davenport, who lasted about 13 minutes until, <laughs> until uh, Darius sat on him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Two of our loanees from this year have been successful, but they've That's since returned. Amazing. Well, and, and you know, Andy, Andy Taylor was the first left-back we've seen for many a year, and yeah. some fantastic player from, from, from Jordan Much. Malky puts this poor run down to their absence. But we have had some replacements come in. We've had Andy Ryman from Villa, the striker. Two goals two, so far. Two goals. You can't argue with that. A striker's got to put the ball in the net. He's done that. And he's looked enthusiastic. He's worked really hard, I think, Jason. He, he does. What I like about him is that he's, he's quite a, a small chap. Not, not huge, but he, he's got a good jump on him and he gets up well and he challenges for headers. And we get a lot of big centre-backs in this division. Yeah. And he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's making them think. Um, and he's winning, and he's winning some of those headers. He's like, yeah, I believe Melky's been sort of looking at him for quite a while, and he's definitely someone he's wanted to to get into the. But he's keeping the squad, uh, so. keeping Marvin out of the he starting is. eleven for he the is. last couple of weeks. And I think credit to Vyman that with that Preston game, he was absolutely he was running himself into the ground against Preston, ninety four plus minutes. He was still going right at the end. Yeah. Someone we haven't seen quite so much of is Andros Townsend slash mm-hmm. Lewis Hamilton. Is it any uh, coincidence that it's coincided with the start of F one? <laughs> Qualified training, I'm not really sure, but so Townsend, he, he, he kept, we saw him at Cardiff and then haven't seen so much of him since then. No, we saw, I say, we saw him at um, Palace. Great work for the goal, yeah. For Andy Rama's goal. Uh, mm. We saw some of his some of his tricks there. We, uh, good pace, puts in a good ball. But then we saw the other side of him. He's he gave the ball away, maybe trying one trick too many in the middle of the park. Not quick to track back when he lost it and, right. and Palace score on the break. But for me, I've seen a couple of just moments of him on the pitch where he looks like a five-year-old upset. because pe- he's A bit petulant. Yeah, you see him do a run here, run there, something's gone wrong, he's put the ball off and because it's new, because they're playing with one another, you know, for the first few times, things don't go in the right place and things go wrong. But it's almost like he just stops and goes... Yeah, and it, I just think well, what a point for a uh, Premier League uh, football player well, potential um, I think there's a, a fair there's an argument for both of you I, I saw a bit of his petulant side he had a bit of a nasty go at um, Adam Thompson I think Adam Thompson miscontrolled a ball and Townsend gave him a mouthful you know you, you don't need that but again Jase you say he, he's obviously got talent but for a team that is based on hard work and teamwork and having faith in each other I think perhaps Mackay is sending him a message saying pull your socks up and from the Rookery End, breaking news. Whilst editing this podcast, Andros Townsend was released back to Tottenham Hotspur after a month at Watford Football Club. More news as we get it. 
And finally, the most recent arrival from, from Man United is Danny Drinkwater. Hmm. Mixed, uh, mixed opinions for fans, mm. I think, on that one. Well, I don't even know if they're that mixed, John. I haven't, <laughs> so, I haven't yeah, really yeah. heard much That's much true. positive feedback on, on Danny Drinkwater. Well, what I would say, before we launch into the <laughs> inevitable <laughs> dissection of, uh, of his performances, is that certainly Lansbury and certainly much didn't exactly get off to a, a flying start no, with us. Exactly, and yeah. uh, there were people questioning quite what they were there to do after two or three games, maybe even later than that. And they've both gone on to be to be some of our more successful loan mm. signings. But Drinkwater, for me, he, he shows glimpses of being being a good footballer. But this might be me being a little bit too basic. He just looks like he needs too much time. Yeah, I think in the two games we've seen him at Vicarage Road, the Preston one, as we said, he was part of that first-half team that generally performed badly, and yeah. it wasn't just down to him. The Burnley game... I think it, it was as much Burnley and the way they played. Eddie Howe's gone in there. He's got them closing yeah, uh, yeah, opposition absolutely. teams down very quickly. And we could see that. And you say he needs that time on, on the ball. He wasn't getting it. Players weren't finding the space for him to play those those passes too. Um, and it made it difficult for him. And for someone who's just come into the team, then yeah, that's div- it is difficult. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it's not been a great start for him. I think um, it's especially hard coming into a team on who is in the middle of a bad run of form because all of a sudden uh, the team sheet looks like a very hard jigsaw, doesn't it? Especially if you've got if you've got yeah. injuries which we've had, all of a sudden you you so drink water goes replaces someone and the fans expect him to be almost the catalyst to change things around because the last couple of games haven't been great. So it's football fans by their very nature, me included, if things aren't going well, clamour for a bit of change. Yeah. And so the hope is that when you see a new name on yeah, that team sheet, there'll, be, there'll yeah. be a bit of impetus. And, and it just hasn't happened for, for him so far. There is a question mark with Danny on um, how much we or, or how often we can leave him out of the team. <laughs> without Sir Alex... Uh, without Sir Alex ringing Melkamp and going, hang on a minute, I gave him to you because yeah. he wasn't playing at Cardiff. I, I took him away from them, gave him to you on the understanding that he was going to get a lot of first-team football. But so you'd, you'd hope, though, Sir Alex would know that, yes, he's been given the chance, and if it's not working out, then it's the manager's prerogative, mm. but at least he's, he's given a chance. Let's give it a bit of time. Let's give them a bit of time to bed themselves in before we uh, truly, truly say if they're going to be a success as Watford loanies or not. But not Andros Townsend, that's for sure. From the rookery end... Okay, so it's been a, a bit of a bad, bit of a bad run. But what we have seen uh, with the injuries and loss of the loanies, we've seen a few more of the youth guys come in, and we've seen Adam Thompson and Matty Wichelow break mm. into the first team again. Yeah, I think uh, Adam Thompson's probably made an appearance um, earlier in the season. He played at not he played not County, County and League. Game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. League but Cup. I don't, I don't think he or Malky would have would have expected to see him make an appearance at this stage. But what a what a debut against against Burnley! I thought he came on and uh, I thought he was really good. And, uh, if he start, as could be expected, I think he's eighteen. I mean, well, we saw him with the with the academy boys earlier in earlier in the season. He came on in difficult circumstances and and settled into the game really well. And then the Preston game, he was he was fantastic throughout. I think he was a real a real shining light. I think he was a real real big bonus. Whitchelow played earlier in the season, scored again. Well, he's, Wichelow has been making his name as a super sub. Yeah, that's been his role for the last couple of a couple of times this season. He's come on and either caused hassle or he scored against away at Derby. Yeah. Um, and he's almost yeah, that's almost his introduction. And again, bit, with these changes, with these players going away, he's 
come on as a substitute for our for our loanees. But now you know he started that game against Reading and he caused problems and he, he he's getting up there. Yeah, I mean it could have been very easy for for the two of them when they came on against Preston just to sort of blend into the the poor performance that we saw in the first half. But no, Wichelow came on and he took the game to Preston, which is what we needed someone to do. So for that responsibility on, on such young shoulders, fantastic. And with Thompson coming on those two games, he looked so confident and really, really wanted the ball. You could see he wanted to be involved in the game. It was fantastic to see. It's a very proud thing to see. Thompson is one of the first guys to go through that academy at Harefield. And you think, well... If he's won, let's let's wait till the next next hundred come through and we'll see where we are then. And he hasn't just gone from the academy to the Watford first team. No. He's also gone on to play for the Northern Ireland senior squad. Senior, and he played. He came on, I think, for half an hour or so. He's gone from his school cap to his international cap. But yeah, within almost what feels like minutes, literally. <laughs> and I think that's although it's been a tough it's been a tough period since we last spoke on the podcast. I think that international break a lot of. Football supporters have have had enough of, of the international break because they're worried about their players coming back injured and whatnot. But I think on that night we had... Well, I've got the stats here, Jase. You'll be proud of me. Well done. We had three, four, five, six players who played international football at various levels. From our, from our youth ranks, we had Adam Thompson and Lee Hodson played senior uh, for Northern Ireland. Marvin Sordell made his England under-20 debut, marked that with a goal. Rob Kiernan played the full 90 minutes for the Republic of Ireland under-21s and Sean Murray and Connor Smith played for the Republic under-19s. Now for us to have that sort of representation I think is absolutely fantastic and it is a real... We talk about it a lot in these podcasts about how proud we are of, of, yeah. the, of the youth development but I think we talk about it because it's being borne out month after month. We're talking about Thompson and Wichelow getting on the score sheet, coming on and making an impact, making a difference and now they're making an impact at international level. And for a club like Watford, who, whose financial state is still up in the air, we still, we've still got to generate players. We've still got a hell of a lot of work to do to make sure we are stable, let alone move forward. So the fact that we're developing those, those six players who are playing, getting international recognition is, is a huge bonus and is almost more important than, than the poor results that we've, that we've seen in the last month. It's the shining light at the end of the tunnel. It is, it is. And uh, here's, you know... I want to see them start. I want to see them start ahead of our loanees. Yeah, well, that's the that's the end that's the end game, isn't it? That we yeah. eventually we don't have loanees. We don't rely on them, um, and we don't bemoan their loss. But until that, and it, they, they show we're on our way. We're we're still with the results. Say we're a long way from mm. from there. But I think those international call ups. While a lot of people have missed them, they're not. You know the. The, the lower level international games, they're not significant to a lot of people, but I think as a Watford fan... It's a step in the right direction for the guys, and it's, it's another part of growing up as a professional footballer. Yeah, it's a huge illustration and a huge, um, it's a huge pat on the back, and it's, it's um, what's the word I'm looking for? Confirmation that we're, we're on the right track. I'm Watford defender, Martin Taylor. And I'm Watford table tennis champion, Danny Graham. And this... Is I'm a stupid football manager. Get me out of here! Today's Bush Tucker Child is for the angriest and most negative football manager in the championship. Forest manager, Mr. Billy Davis. How are you, Mr. Davis? Okay, lads, what's all this about then? I do not like jungles and I definitely don't like trials. Don't you worry about it, pet. We're going to have a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, we are. Good. 
because I have not smiled for 12 years. The last time I did was when I found a wagon wheel in my lunchbox. I was expecting a Kit Kat. Oh, but that wagon wheel, it's got the wonder layer of marshmallow. I tell you, that makes all the difference. Aye, lovely story. Now, moving on. Today's trial is called Mr. Positivity. And Mr. Davies, since you don't have an electric personality... Oi, you! Look here, you big loaf of... Now, now, Mr. Davies, that's exactly what I mean. You never smile and you cannot see the positive in anything. So, we've created this trial especially for you. We are going to ask you five football-related questions. All you need to do is answer three out of five in a positive manner. Aye, for every question you get right, we will give you a pair of Umbro shin pads for your team to wear when they play against Danny Fox. However, if you don't get the question right, we will give you a small electric shock just to teach you a lesson. I do not trust you two. Ah, well, you don't really have a choice. We've already strapped you down. Here we go! Question one. You win promotion and your directors give you £20 million to spend on players. What's your reaction? 20 million quid. Is that all? That doesn't buy you much these days. I'd throw it back in their face and demand another 10 million on top. Mr. Davies, I'm afraid that's not quite positive enough. Here comes your shock. Ah! Ian, Danny, I thought it was only going to be a small shock like... It's all right, Martin. Don't worry, lad. I'm just checking the gauge. It says 50 milliwatts. It says here 50 M watts. Does it say capital M or little M? Well, it says capital M. But what does that matter? Danny, man, a capital M means 50 megawatts, not milliwatts. Oh, great. <laughs> Mr. Davies. Mr. Davies. He'll be fine. He, he's just having a little bit of a nap there, and he, he looks all happy because of, of all those protons all over his body. Join us again next time for another episode of... Danny and Martin's I'm a Stupid Football Manager. Get me out of here! From the Rookery End, get involved. Go to facebook.com forward slash Rookery End. Front page story in the Watford Observer. Car parking prices rise. (laughs) (laughs) It was this interview with this, this man who is wanting to come and buy our football club. Enigma. The enigma that is Lawrence Bassini. Bazzini. Bazzini. Banzai. Well, you're both right, Chase. Banzai! He was, was Bazzini and now he's Bassini. Jason, you, uh, you ran out and you must have bought the copy of it. What are, you, what are you taking from him? Interesting piece. He seems enthusiastic. How much of that is just sound bites just to keep us happy? We don't know. There was certainly a lot in that article about um, him pointing out where he's had issues with businesses mm-hmm. before, what the problems were. He's sort of come clean, shall we say, on, on that front. I don't know, again, a bit like the players we've been talking about. It's a bit too early to judge whether he's going to be a good thing or a bad thing. 
he was offered the chance to invest in Blackburn, wasn't he? Yeah. Now that I, that I was that, that that was without anything sort of. Uh, we haven't heard how much money he's. People haven't, he hasn't said right. I've got this much and so much. No, he can't really. Can he, but you would think if he's if he's been offered the chance to go in at Blackburn, does that mean he has got a reasonable amount of cash to put in there now? We don't want him to completely chuck money at it because that's not the model that Watford are. We, we don't we don't want that to happen. We've already seen things go belly up before where we thought we've got lots of money and then it, we've spent money we haven't haven't got and it all goes horribly wrong. So I don't know. So I think he's clearly got the money to invest. Um, Has he though, Jace? Well, you know what? You know what? We can't have this conversation because we can't look at his bank balance. True, true. You know what? And it's, it's almost like we can go around in circles and circles and circles, which what fans, I'm sure they're doing, they're looking at, oh, how much does his company make? How many boats did he build? And trying to figure out how much money he might have. And it's not even worth it because even he puts a million quid in and he, he's worth 500 million. If he's worth 500 million pounds, you thought, where are you going to put 50 but million? I think, that's but, all he's ever going to put in the football club. But I think we have a right to be. Um, Worried and a right. right to be sceptical because we've seen absolutely Portsmouth. We've seen you know through the ages people have come into the, the one I can't get out of my head is Michael Knighton, who um, <laughs> if you're yeah. if you're a bit younger than 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 us three you won't you won't remember. But back in the eighties he tried to buy Manchester United yeah. and went out on the pitch in full Man United kit, juggling the ball, say promising this that and the other. Well, I'm going to take United were struggling back then. And it turned out he had about three and a half quid and was ousted as a frauster. Now, not well, not a frauster. He's just a he's just a chancer. Now, I'm not saying that this is the case here, but far fast forward to, to modern day, you've seen Portsmouth in all sorts of trouble. The Plymouth are struggling today. Uh, they've been there going into administration. Well, you know, until until someone comes in and and does the right thing, then I think Watford fans have a right to be sceptical, a right to be worried. It's the future of our club. We need to. If people are going to go on record with, with the local paper, I want them to tell us concrete things. I don't want us to say they had the chance to buy Blackburn. I had the chance to buy buy Blackburn. <laughs> well, it just wasn't. Set. It just yeah, wasn't. Right. I just didn't have enough money. You know. I, I mean. Well, I, it's interesting. Um, on on Twitter, three lines forever. He put up earlier on today, fact on Monday. He said, uh, "And so begins a very important week for me. The week that I hope Lawrence Bassini does not buy Watford Football Club." So I said, "Why is that?" And he said. Just don't have a good feeling about his background, at least what I've heard. Plus, he doesn't seem enough of a football person. Well, that, that's a key comment. That last statement, plus he doesn't seem enough of a football person. For me, I think one of the most important things that Bassini and Thomas need to do is to keep Winter and Taylor at the club. Yes. And I think that's where the football yeah. thing comes in. Yes. Yeah, I think those guys need to stay. And equally, I can't believe that Taylor and Winter would not no, I just could, yeah. allow this guy to come into our club no. without making sure 150% that he is the right man or him and Thomas are the right men for this club. That That's why I'm not as worried. Well, is it them doing the selling though? Is it, is it down to people who, they're, 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 they're employed by Watford, but they haven't got the, the, financial, um, the financial commitment that others, that we all know, we all know the Lord Ashcroft, he he wants to get his money back one hmm. way or another, and it, ultimately, it'll be his decision as to as to who buys this club and if this guy can look. Like John's John's absolutely right in saying that we can, oh, we can sit here and <laughs> sit here and speculate. We do not know, but yeah. I think I reserve the right to be to be nervous. And it could have been in the same way as back in the in the in the seventies. People have been nervous when Elton John took over. A pop star, you say? Yeah, pop star. We exactly. flamboyant clones. Exactly. So yeah. and, and look what happened. So, but I think you'll probably have found dissenting voices back then. Yes. So proof of the pudding <laughs> is in the eating, and. Uh, 
as soon as you can't find out something about someone on it on the internet, the people are suspicious of him, which is which is unfair. But all I'm saying is, I would have liked to hear something a bit more concrete, a little less flimflam in the paper. Mm-hmm. But but we'll see. From the rookery end. Oh, nudges. That's what we're going to start this link with, Mike. We're going to say Nadgers. Because <laughs> oh. Watford just lost 3-1 <laughs> against Bristol City Nadges. at home. Right. I don't want to say Nadgers. <laughs> I've just said Nadgers. Jason, thoughts? <laughs> yeah, disappointing, isn't it? Yeah. It, it was, in, for me, it was very similar to the Burnley game. Even first half, one or half time, mm. fair enough. We come out second half, we look the strongest team. Definitely. Didn't take the chances when they came our way. Um, I wouldn't say end of, well, we didn't create too many chances. End of the first half was when we didn't, when we had chances that we didn't take. Second half, yeah, we had a lot of possession without creating as much, and then they get a goal and that's it. Heads drop. It's, it's let's try and get out there as quick as possible, see what we can do, and it doesn't happen. And, and then they get third on the break. I think it's, I think it's dangerous to say we're looking like we were in the Burnley game because that's another game where we failed to take our chances and we've lo- we've lost at home, and you know that's starting to become a habit. Um, habits we don't want to be forming, especially <laughs> at this stage of the season. We still need 52 points, and how many have we got? 47? Not that many, I don't think it's 45, 45, 45, isn't it? Yeah. Well, there you go. It doesn't really matter what the points go. I mean, we haven't got yeah. enough at the moment, that's the important thing. But before we get there, one man did do something good today. He scored a goal. Don Cowie put us ahead in the first half. And, uh, well, let's take the positive that, at least that. Well, at least Don, Don's back. I think he's going to, I think <laughs> yes. he, will, he will make a difference this side. We've got Will Buckley to come back as well. Um, but we talked about uh, Don Cowie. He was the goal scorer tonight, and we were lucky enough to have a chat with him. A couple of weeks ago at the training ground, and this is what he had to say. We know how good you are on the football pitch, but tell us about your prowess on the table tennis. I think I've just got lucky, to be honest. I've, <laughs> I've been on the, the right half of the draw, and I've managed to miss all the big guns, and Danny's knocked them all out for me, and I've managed to get a clear path to the final. You haven't got a, you haven't got a Forrest Gump sort of uh, no, ability to no, it, no, no, definitely not. Danny's got a bit of it, but not me. <laughs> so a chance to cause an upset, then? Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm definitely the underdog, that's for sure. You know, it's a bit like... Um, as going away to QPR, you just never know. You might spring a surprise and win, and hopefully I can do that. The following day, Don lost the 2010-2011 to Watford Table Tennis Championship. He did not cause an upset and was clearly beaten by Danny Forrest Gump Graham. So football, table tennis, anything else? Any other sports you're good at? quite like to play a bit of golf uh, now and again. Well, what did you play off? When I was in uh, Scotland, I used to play off uh, eight. Oh, okay. uh, but since I've come down to, to England, I've not really managed managed to play much. I've got a two-year-old daughter, so that's sort of put a wee stop to that. Also, there's not very many golfers at the club. It tends to be if there's a few others, you know, that sort of gets you involved. So I've sort of missed out a wee bit. Keeps it competitive. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm surprised by that. I always thought that, that golf was the second sport of all footballers, aren't Well, <laughs> that, that's the way it's been at most clubs. Yeah. I've been, well, the, the two other clubs I've been at, it's been a big sort of golf culture, but... No, it just doesn't seem to be here. Is it because Watford players can't afford a decent set of clubs? Well, it could be. <laughs> you speak to chairman. Get the wages up. Um, you, uh, you had the fantastic um, uh, accolade of being called up for your country last year. How was that? How was that all, all the way to Japan to play a game of football? What was that like? Yeah, it was. It was strange. It was obviously um, it was well documented. <laughs> I think there was too many people happy with the, the timing of the fixture and where it was and geographically and stuff like that and there was a lot of call-offs um, but fortunately for me it, it meant I managed to get, get called in and you know I, I didn't expect to play much part when I went away I was just delighted to get get the call but managed to play 45 minutes and in the end it, you know I must have done something right because it meant I, I got picked for the next squad against Wales so you know it was 
fully beneficial for me, that's for sure. How did that news break, Don? How were you told about the call up? Not much. I was just in the in the car and um, it was must have been five or six o'clock and my, my phone rang and it was the manager, Malky, and you know, I don't don't often get many many phone calls from the manager out with, you know, when you're not not training and stuff. So I was a bit you know, surprised he was phoning me and he just said what are you doing tomorrow? And I was like, well, I'm training, am I not? You know, that's what we're, we're all doing. He says, no, you need to get your get yourself to, to Heathrow tomorrow uh, lunchtime because you're going off to Japan. So, absolutely delighted I was. It's a long flight, that. I've done that. It's a long <laughs> yeah, flight to Japan. Yeah, yeah, it was. And it was it was long, but, you know, I was that uh, adrenaline, excitement, you know, I could have been going to like, Australia or something like that. <laughs> it didn't bother me, you know. Who was your first footballing hero? Growing up, I was a, a Celtic fan, Liverpool fan, to be honest, um, mainly because my dad was, and I just followed whatever you know everything he did. So, you know, just like I was a big Liverpool fan, I liked John Barnes, people like that. You know, that's who I, I t- uh, tended to look, look to and stuff like that. Do what better club to join than the Watford if you're a John Barnes fan? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know he's got he's got history here, so you know. I must admit, I didn't expect when I was growing up that I would be, be playing for Watford, but, you know, I'm absolutely delighted. It's a dream come true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> certainly is. You're, you're sort of really he- you're heavy on the assists. You've set up a lot of Watford goals. Yeah. Um, I think it was a stat around you. You've got the most assists in the league at one stage. Does that give you as much um, satisfaction as actually scoring? Yeah, well, it's second best thing, really, you know. Being a sort of attacking midfielder, you know, it's definitely something I need to to improve on and do a lot better and, and score more goals. It's it's probably been the one thing that I've let myself down since I've been at been at the club. Um, was probably signed as a, a goal scoring midfielder because I had a couple of good seasons before I came down. I scored nine in the, the two seasons before I came, you know, in Scotland. So and then I, I managed to score three in my first ten games when I first signed. So. People probably thought I was going to carry on that, and you know I was disappointed. Only got two last year, and only one this year. So it's definitely something I need to, you know, get on top of and, and do better. Do you have a personal target? Not really, but when you when you score two last year, you know the target is to obviously get more. Um, I think when you're playing 46 games as a midfielder, I think you've got to be looking. I don't know, at least minimum five. Anything you know above that's a bonus, I would say. Don is quite a cool name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are you more Don Johnson or more Don Colleone? Sure. <laughs> tough one. <laughs> Colleone, I'll go for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's obviously a bit of a Scottish contingent at the club now. Yeah, yeah. Who is the most Scottish of you, Melfi and Stephen? Again? There's only one winner, and that's Stephen. Is he? Yeah. Oh my God. He's so patriotic. It's <laughs> <laughs> He won't let the boys say anything about Scottish football, the Scottish Premier League. It's just an embarrassing. I've been, I've been here obviously a bit longer than him, so you know I, I just give it the deaf ear and don't don't react to it. But he likes a wee reaction, and that just gives him even more firepower just to to keep going. And he he, he doesn't let himself uh, let the boys down. He just bites time after time. Talking about Scottish football, how do you think Wolford would fare in the Scottish League? I would think they'd do very well. I think it's no secret to everyone that the the standard in Scotland's probably dropped a wee bit in the last three to five years. I think the money's not not there anymore. Your Celtic and Rangers aren't able to go out and buy players for five, six million now. It's Rangers, who's probably you know obviously one or two of the best teams in the country, never signed anyone for two years because they just didn't have the money. So that's sort of says it all, really. 
Um, not saying that there's not a lot of quality in Scotland still, but I definitely think if Watford were there, they would they'd be thereabouts. Have you had a favourite moment as a Watford player so far? A number, to be honest. Um, for a debut coming down against Chelsea, you know, it doesn't get much better than that. You know, when I knew I was signing for uh, for Watford, and um, you look at the fixtures, and it, I think we were due to play. Southampton or somebody on the, on the Saturday but there was so much snow I never trained for the, the first week I was here We'd, I was just in my hotel room because it was that bad and uh, the following week it was Chelsea so to, to make your debut against them was, was pretty special being involved in the, the live game when, when Lloyd scored and you know was lucky enough to score myself, but definitely overshadowed by, <laughs> by Lloyd that, that night you know uh, and then getting, getting called up for Scotland three times since I've been here you know so Long may it continue. Keep up with the podcast blog on fromtherookeryend.com. All right, so Don Carey, fantastic man. Lovely guy. Nice way to f- almost, nice way to finish the podcast, but wait, 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 wait. We, lo- we have another chance to end the podcast on another high. Um, not a, a high of a winning a game, but we got to meet up and have a chat with a former Watford youth team player, Probably, well, could you call him the most successful Watford product ever? Well, well goalkeeper-wise. Yeah, goalkeeper-wise. No, no, no. Of course, there was Perry Suckling, Perry Digweed. <laughs> but but we, had to, we had to buy them, didn't we? We paid good yeah. money for those guys. Yeah. This was a man who, uh, who was our own. He's certainly, certainly gone on to be one of the more um, prolific um, performers on the on the sort of well on the world and the and the Premier League stage since he left Watford. So yeah. So we're talking about David James, of course. Uh, he was playing golf for Bristol City tonight, and we had a, a little bit of a, a, a chat with him after the game. How is it to be back, Dave? When you walk back, do you get the sort of feelings that you got when you were? Uh... It, it's difficult. I uh, I planned on coming in and trying to avoid all the nostalgia and whatever else. Yeah. Like. yeah. Um, but I couldn't help tell the lads that this was here and that was there. That's <laughs> a calf down here. We used to go for lunch and all that stuff. So place in love in the blood in it. So is it, is it nice to come back? Of course, yeah. 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 It's the same. We're uh, we're playing the championship. We're not playing the Premiership, which we did a few years back when I was at Villa, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, it's. Uh, it's always nice coming back. Obviously, we're a Watford fans podcast. Do you mm. look out for Watford as your for the, the, the you as a Watford supporter? I guess really is one of the questions. You don't know even know who I support. Well, what, <laughs> the question I was going to ask, I started slurring and stuttering. <laughs> no, 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 no. no, 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 no I'm sure. Out for. I'm sure I will lose a lot of uh, a lot of friends, and I'm a Luton Town fan. Oh, my uncle used to take me when I was a kid, so... Uh... Dave, it's been lovely to meet you. <laughs> no, 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 no. So how did you end up at Watford? But I don't look out for Luton's, uh, Luton's results, huh? How did you end up at Watford as a, as a youth player? Tom Wally. Quite simply, I was at uh, Tottenham as a schoolboy. We uh, we played Watford, Rod Thomas scored five, I think we lost 6-3. Uh, and the next week we were off down to Avon, quite ironically, um, playing for Watford, so... Best move of my life, I think. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so you, you know, you're, you're at that point now. Where you've, you've you've been there, and you come back, and you there's a lot of younger players, I suppose, in the in the squad that you've got now at Bristol City. Mm-hmm. Watford have got it. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you put an arm around these players? Do you find yourself doing that quite a lot? Age goes out the window. I mean, we've got a obviously they try and pass on my experience, yeah. but um, you know, if you're if you're good enough, you're old enough or young enough, depending yeah. on what side of the uh, age spectrum you're at. But. Um, no, it's, it's, it's strange in some respects. I mean, some of the players, Corks in our side, is more than half my age, which is, uh, <laughs> which is good fun. But I won 50 quid off at the crossbar the other day, so uh, <laughs> semi pocket. I'd uh, just to bore you a little bit, but I had a meeting with our academy players a couple of weeks ago, 
and I explained to him about how at their age, sort of 17, 18 years old, I said, you know, when I was at Watford, there was players then, like Sir Drysdale, Thomas, uh, Solomon, Ashby, who had been playing in the first team. You're going to come here again, and you've got young lads playing in the first team, and Watford's it is a great opportunity for young players. I don't know why it is it happens year on year, but mm. it's, it's a great opportunity for young players to, to get a chance. And what we saw today was uh, it was a tough game in the conditions. Nice pitch, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not conducive for uh, for silky passing. But um, once again, I was impressed with the young players you got here. So, you know, well, you've got all the uh, all the football academies today that you talked about. How different was it in your day when you were? You... Well, I, again, I in the conversation I was having with the young lads, I said the warm up for a match. I remember my debut. Um, met an old friend over on the on the wall over there and having a chat with them while everyone else is booting balls around and you go and play the game. It's kind of it's changed so much with uh, with the setup. I mean, Tom Wally, as I say, who uh, was without doubt the most influential person while I was here at Watford um, with regards to my career as a schoolboy and going through into the uh, professional ranks. Um, the setup was a it was, it was just so different. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were the first year of the, uh, the YTS scheme which gave an opportunity for four players to come in. I think the year before was the couple, which might have been the Oldsworth brothers, um, under the old apprenticeship, and the following year there were seven. So all of a sudden there was a lot more players allowed to be involved and uh, better opportunities. Um, as I say, they had a goalkeeping coach, so we had a, had an opportunity to, to improve as youngsters, but that was rare. I mean, I went to, I'm boring you now, but I went to Liverpool, <laughs> and the uh, first thing I asked was a goalie coach, and he said, well, Ray Clemens don't need one of them. So it was, really? Oh yeah, it was it was bizarre. But um, as you're saying, the game's changed so much. They've got much better opportunities. And again, looking at today's game, the youngsters that you got involved, are, you know, good products from from obviously a good system. You know, it was a good result you had against us down at Ashton Gate, which hurt. Mm. <laughs> That's to, I have to say, it hurt. does it does it hurt losing against a, a next team, David? It, losing hurts generally. Yeah. Generally, but when it's the next team, it's, it's a little bit more. Uh, tangible I think yeah. you, you mentioned Tom Wally quite a bit and um, I've just read Lionel Burning's book Enjoy the Game I don't know if you've read that it's about sort of what, it's a really good book about uh, what was rise up through the 80s so you, okay. get, you get a mention one of the, one of the most interesting things uh, <laughs> brief mention one of the really interesting stories was around the 87 Cup semi-final do you know I was thinking about that the other day Eddie Plumley. because you must it was Eddie it was Gary Plumley, wasn't it yeah, yeah that's right Eddie was the chief executive yeah, yeah, Gary yeah. was his son because you must have just been coming th- you must I, had have been my, I had my um, I had my boots and gloves in the hotel the S- seriously before, yeah and I remember running to um, it was Villa Park wasn't it I remember mm. running round the the stadium with my boots and my gloves ready to um, possibly play nervous yeah, or excited I shit myself yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, did, yeah. Graham, did, did Graham discuss it with you? No, 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 no. I don't, I don't, in fairness, I don't think I ever had a chance. But uh, for some reason, I felt I felt like I might get get a nod. But um, Be didn't even get in, well, didn't get in the changing room. So uh, that's how close it was. Could have been the magic of the FA Cup, though, couldn't it? It could have been. <laughs> could have been worse than four 0 wasn't it? The final was four one, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I sort of think. Uh, yeah, I thought back about it the other day, and it was like maybe if I'd have gone in, we could have won, and it would have been a great start. But well, in, the, in that in that book, he mentions that he Graham phoned. Um, Bob Wilson mm-hmm. and um, Gary Plum- uh, Eddie Plumley phoned Pat Jennings. Okay. <laughs> Which uh, this whole thing just sounded utterly chaotic. What to play? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Anything could happen that day. Must have had a bad training week or something. <laughs> <laughs> to compare other clubs to Watford simply because I came through youth ranks and. Yeah. You know, it's all that sort of wonderful magic, even though I was stressed most of the time. But um, no, Bristol's a great club, and I'm just hoping that. 
both of us perhaps could uh, well, get be nice. We say good luck, but only in certain days. You still thought of very fondly. We're still very. Fond the reception, of you. as always, was uh, was fantastic. And you know, the, the bizarre thing is, as I say, I only played two years here um, as, a, as a first team player. Um, but I spent seven years here as a sort of through the uh, youth team, whatever else, and you know, wonderful. Well, listen, thanks very much for talking to yeah, us. It's been a it's, pleasure. Uh, great to Thank you very much. Great to have you back. Thank you. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. So, lads, there we are at the end of a month of Watford football. No wins, boys. No wins. No, no wins. wins since the last podcast. Maybe. Well, is it, who are we going to blame here, Jace? We're going to be blame Xavier, the well, lucky Watford yeah. snowman. Xavier hasn't been to any of the games apart from the Preston one, which obviously we, we turned around at the end there. Yes. We've got to be clear here. These are the sort of results that we were probably expecting at the start of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And so to see them borne out, it doesn't make it any easier to take, but it's not unexpected. But you do wonder, um, we were talking to John Marks there at the end of the game, and he had a good vantage point. He's been commentating the game. He said a lot of the players just looked shot players like Martin Taylor who are still leaving everything out on the pitch they're still giving their all and working hard but there's nothing left in the tank for a lot of these boys mm. because they've been going non-stop um, and having to fill in perhaps for maybe they're having to pick up some of the slack from from the youngsters you know that the extra toll of um, not, not, not sort of almost dragging the team through by its bootstraps when you know, that extra bit of experience is needed and then maybe it's finally taking its toll. Well, we I think so John pointed out, John Marks did point out that Martin Taylor has still played every minute of every Watford first team game this season. That's an amazing thing. We're in February. Yeah. And, he, and to, to have done that, that is absolutely fantastic. We should be expecting Watford players to be playing every minute of every game. I haven't got a problem with that, but there's the added mental sort of toll of, of actually trying to sort of drag this team sort of yeah, through especially what is a really sticky patch. In, yeah, in runs like this, you, you, you've got to get up and get on with the next game. It's, it's Doncaster away on Saturday, and, and again, it's an opportunity to turn things around. They're, they have a struggling side at the moment, and it would be good yeah. to think we could go out there and get three points well, on a nice pitch. Seven games, seven no games. wins, yeah. but I don't think any of us are downhearted. We're disappointed, and we've seen a lot of stuff that hasn't been too pleasing on the eye but as always I think we can end the you know end this month end this little period looking forward to a bright future we've got to stick together we've got to stay confident we've yeah. got to and that's, not, faith. and that's not being blind football fans no. there's definitely potential here thanks for listening thanks for joining us again on podcast number nine we're back for number ten in a month's time keep following us on facebook facebook.com forward slash rookery end you can follow all of us on twitter i'm at rookery mike i'm rookery john and i'm still non-conforming i am at jace bailey if facebook isn't your thing you can also email us at podcast at from the rookery end.com that's podcast at from the rookery end.com you can get the program mike yes read the from the rookery end page it's generally page 63 64 65 somewhere mm-hmm. around there we actually saw someone reading it today at the game which is a, a bit of a bonus so uh, yeah have a look and, uh, and you can read that on the blog after it's um, after game day you can read it there post any comments tell me how rubbish it is thanks for listening onward and upward keep the faith onward come on and upwards. turn your horns